Welcome to this podcast from Riverside Church Whitstable. We hope you find it helpful and encouraging. If you would like to find out more information about us, why not check out our website at riversideuk.org, our Facebook page, or follow us on Twitter at WhitRiverside. I'd really love to welcome Chris from Ashford Vineyard. Give him a huge round of applause. Chris is a friend. We've known Chris for a few years. Sorry. <laughs> and uh, he's a dear friend, him and his wife, uh, but she's looking after Ashford Vineyard for, for us today. Um, yeah, and, well, I'm not going to say what you said earlier because he's going to say it himself. But, um, okay. Um, yeah, we love Chris and his whole family, and he's a senior pastor with his wife of Ashford Vineyard, if you don't know. I'm sure you do, because you remember him coming last year? Yeah. Great. Well, he's going to... Oh. <laughs> I don't even remember you. Anyway, anyway, well, I'm going to well pass well it finish over. and say it the rest now. Oh, I don't need it. I've got this one on. Oh, sorry. I always do that. We just worked out, actually. Oh, I'm loud, aren't I? Uh, we just worked out. Uh, we were here one year ago today for, for the, um, what was it? What did we call it? Adoption. Like an adoption service. Do you remember, was anyone here for that? Just put your hand up. Here. Yeah. That was one year ago today. While we were in the worship, I thought feels like about a year and I quickly searched in my diary and sure enough it was um it was the 13th last year and it is the 12th today but anyway hello uh, greetings from um from Asher Vineyard from the Kent area um and from Nick my dear wife who um she drew the short straw and had to stay behind today I got the pleasure of coming to see you so she is at Asher Vineyard this morning we have two services actually so she is speaking and speaking twice um, something she does very, very well. <laughs> you take that how you wish. Anyway, how are you all? You all all right? Yeah? yeah? Good. Excellent. Um, so, I spoke to Simon. I say spoke to, no one really speaks anymore. I WhatsApp Simon earlier in the week <laughs> and said, Simon, what would, you, uh, what would you like me to speak about? Anything particular? Any, anything you're, you're working on? And his words were, anything faith, expectation for God to move. Oh, that's good. That should be every talk, right? I mean, that, that really doesn't narrow it down, which I loved. That, that's really exciting. Anything faith and expectation for God to move. Brilliant news. So, that's what you've got, I hope. So, let's, uh, we, uh, let's just wait a moment. Just ask, ask the Holy Spirit to come afresh. We love your presence. Without your presence, Lord, our worship is just song singing. And talks like this are just <laughs> learning stuff. It's not what we ache for, what we long for. We want encounter. We want transformation for us, for our families, for this whole area and region. Out of interest, is anyone anyone buying a new car this week or in the process of buying a new car? Might not be new, but new to you. Anyone thinking about buying a new car? No? You are. Have Have you bought it yet, out of interest? You haven't, but you're going to buy one. 
when we were in the worship, it's a bit, it is a bit random, bear with, but while we were in the worship, um, <clears throat> I felt God say there's someone here who's going to buy a car, and um, that's nothing particularly amazing, but I said yes, and, and I felt God say that that car, I pictured, uh, I don't know how best to describe it, like light and smoke in that car, it wasn't a fire, it, it was God's presence so incredibly manifest in that car um, that you had an encounter that will change you. So that's exciting. We're all like, which car's he going to buy? I'm going to buy that car. <laughs> well, what's the make and model? Uh, but that's really exciting. Really exciting. Um, <clears throat> okay. So, forgive me, I've got to work through um, two slides and a clicker. But uh, we are looking at... Thank you very much, uh, my dear friends at the back, my new good friends. So we're looking at the storm, Jesus calming the storm today. If you have a Bible, then um, just come off Facebook a minute and um, just switch to that app uh, and you'll find we're reading from Mark chapter 4. If not, don't worry, as you can see, it's up on the screen. This is about Jesus calming the storm. There's even people who don't do church, never said they're yes to Jesus, what most people know about Jesus calming the storm. Um, so it's a very, very well-known miracle, frankly. So that day, I'll tell you which that day was in a minute, when evening came, he said to his disciples, let us go over to the other side. Leaving the crowd behind, they took him along just as he was in the boat. There were also other boats with him. A furious squall came up and the waves broke over the boat so that it was nearly swamped. Jesus was in the stern, sleeping on a cushion. Stern, you lot, you're all near the coast, you know where that's front or back of the boat, right, don't you? Okay, good, that's excellent. Some of you are just looking it up, I can see. Um, The disciples woke him and said to him, Teacher, don't you care if we drown? He got up, rebuked the wind and said to the waves, Quiet, be still. Then the wind died down and it was completely calm. He said to his disciples, why are you so afraid? Do you still have no faith? Or as one translation puts it, you cowards, you wimps, you lightweights, come on. They were terrified and asked each other, who is this? Even the wind and waves obey him. We take it for granted, we know that bit pretty well, but... We're just going to unpack it a little bit this morning and see, see what I think God is potentially saying to you as a church this morning. So first of all, let's just, that is a picture of the Sea of Galilee. Has anyone actually been? I haven't, but has anyone been to the Sea of Galilee? One, two, three, oh, a handful of you. Okay, so apparently, from what I understand, um, it's, it's a piece of water, tw- about 12 miles by about 8 miles, but it's surrounded by hills. So it is actually below sea level, which is an odd concept, but it is actually below sea level. Um, and then um, a river does actually run out of that, the um, River J- Jordan, down, I nearly said the Nile, I'm sorry, wrong continent, uh, the River Jordan down into the Dead Sea. Um, but the strange thing is, wherever you stand, you can actually see all the rest of the coast. And, and actually, that body of water is surrounded by very um, high hills. So the combination of the high hills with the particularly low water table means that these furious squalls, storm to you and me, they come up. It's not unusual. 
So what happens is you get, because it's a fairly shallow body of water, so at its deepest point, it's only, um, I think it's a couple of hundred feet deep, which isn't really very deep for water. So obviously that warms up, relatively warms up quickly. You then got all the hills all around, and those hills obviously are producing colder air. There is colder air up there. So what happens is the colder air cascades down these hills, what was formerly known as the Decapolis in one area, and what it does is it reaches the warm air that's coming up. And we all know from basic geography lessons back at school, some of us can just about remember back that far, that uh, warm air doing that and cold air doing that is not a particularly good combination and it produces a lot of turbulence. So this is a very, um, this is a very real thing. Now, some people say, well, how much of a storm was it, like, really? I mean, was it a bad storm? Okay. So of the 12 disciples that Jesus had with him, four of them were fishermen. And I mean proper fishermen. No offence to any of you who've got a rod and go and sit by a riverbank with your sandwiches and don't talk to anyone for eight hours. I'm talking about the ones that go out on a boat, shove nets down in the sea. And there were four of them out of the 12 were fishermen. They thought they were going to drown. This was not a bit of turbulence just outside Dover. This was bad. If four fishermen think they're going to drown, then it is genuinely probably time to be slightly worried about the state of affairs. So, Jesus, being Jesus, <clears throat> was sleeping. And there are so many things about this story that I find odd. This is one of them. So you've got the boat, must have been being thrown about quite a bit. And Jesus is asleep. Now, I don't mind boats. I guess I would probably get a little bit seasick in this scenario. But sleeping? Like, really? I find that absolutely incredible. Um, Doesn't really matter why he was. When you see what has gone on before, he's been teaching all day. And actually, he was in a boat most of the day because he decided that he would get in a boat, push back from the shore, basically so he could see people more easily. He's been teaching all day long. And if you read Mark 4 before, you'll see uh, in the lead up to that, and then, and then, and then, and you'll see. So it comes to the end of the day, Jesus was sleeping, and people say, why was he sleeping? I think it was because he was tired, like the rest of us. And if you've been teaching all day, any teachers in here or anyone who's ever done any lecturing or anything, you'll know it's pretty tiring stuff. So it got to the end of the day, I think it's just a bit whacked out. He says to his disciples, come on, let's go over to the other side. We'll get some dinner, we'll chill out a bit. And it says some other boats went with him too. I don't know about you, but if I just heard Jesus teach for the day, I, I too would have fi- tried to find a boat and followed him. Wouldn't you? Like he's just got in a boat, you've just heard him speak, you've seen miracles, you've seen incredible things. Jesus then decides, come on, we're off. Honestly, I'd grab even a pedlo. Anything I could find that like, I want to come, I want to come, like that. Even if it has got, you know, a big duck on the front, big swan's head on the front of it or something, and I'm doing this or something, you know, that thing. I definitely want to go. So they, they head off. Jesus has a little sleep on a cushion, and this storm starts. And you can imagine among the disciples that they're looking around, they're feeling the boat start to rock a bit, and there must have come that moment, which I just love, when one of them must have said, Someone's going to have to wake him. 
I can't believe he's asleep. Someone's going to have to wake him. Someone's going to have to say, we need your help. Well, I'm not doing it. Well, I'm not doing it. Well, I'm all right for now. You know, and it must have just got worse and worse. And in the end, I reckon en masse, they went and just shook him away. Jesus! We've been trying to deal with this, but we can't. We're all going to die. And Jesus must have been sort of slightly bleary eye because he has just slept through a storm. So he must have been properly asleep, snoring in the lot. Um, He gets up, sees what's going on in a moment and knows the authority he has. So we don't actually know that he said, quiet, be still. It could be how it's been translated. But anyway, the point is he went, shh, that's enough. Now, if there are any teachers among you, you will have a whole raft of these expressions that you can use, right? Are there any teachers here? How many? Oh, just a couple. Is that it? Wow. You should hang out with them. We, I used to be a teacher. You have your whole thing. Sometimes it's just, it's just a look. You just look at... Sorry, I'm not picking on you. You're sat beautifully. <laughs> but, you know, you just look at a child or you go and stand near them. Well, Jesus couldn't really do that with the storm. But see, you have other... Me- you, that. Oh, that's a good one, the double click, you can do it with both hands. If, you, if you're really good, they teach you that at teacher training college. Look at that, see, like this. So the point was, he, he, it's his way, and when you're a teacher, you have that way. Sometimes you just go, <clears throat> it doesn't matter what it is. The point is, as a teacher, you know your authority in that situation. No. That thing. You all set up. Well done. I'm kidding, I'm kidding, I'm teasing. And that's what Jesus did in that moment. He saw what was going on and he went, enough. Pipe down, be still. And then the most amazing thing happens. Because in that moment, this is a slight aside, this is just in brackets for your amusement. I I have these things with God where I... I try and understand them. I'm a fairly logical kind of bloke. I'm fairly sort of scientific. Um, I'm, to be honest, I'm a bit of a mess. I, I'm loads of things. But the science is one of them. And I love, I love to understand a logical progression. So here we have this warm air rising and this cold air coming off the hills. And it's causing this turbulence. Jesus says, enough. What happens to the cold wind and the warm wind in that moment? What happened in that moment? I don't know. Did the warm wind keep going up and the cold wind keep coming down, but somehow the miracle was that they stopped interacting with each other? (coughs) Did the cold wind just, whether it was coming off the top of the hill, just suddenly goes back up? I don't know. But isn't it amazing that you don't actually have to know how some of these things work? That you just can know your authority in God and command something to happen and see it happen. I don't know what happened in that moment. All we know is that the waves went from threatening the lives of a load of people and all the other boats as well, went to nothing, went to complete calm, like a mill pond. Hold on to that thought because we are going to revisit it. So this is something that we can very much learn. You have authority over all the storms that you can sleep in. 
Or to put it another way, you know when you know that you have authority over a storm, when you can just be asleep in it. It's okay. That doesn't need to bother me. I know what God's called me to do. I know who I am. I know who he says he is. It's nothing that I can boast about. It's his declaration of who I am. I can sleep in this. This is okay. It's not always like that. And sometimes we think we've got a situation under control. A storm comes in and storms have a very annoying habit of this. Storms have this way of exposing what's really going on. I've heard it said many times, it's easy to act like a Christian, it's reacting like one that is the tricky bit. Most people can put on a brave face. In fact, there are a lot of people out there who have never said they're yes to Jesus who are far better at acting like Christians than most of us. Well, not you, obviously, us in Ashford at least. Um, Not you, I've heard about your godliness. We hear about it all over the place. So it's reacting like one. So a few years ago, this is, this is a great example. If someone had said to me, Chris, are you trusting God for money? Oh, absolutely I am. Are you trusting God for the money needed for Asher Vineyard? Oh, absolutely I am. And then we had this moment where in January, four, I think it was four years ago, it might be five years ago, our giving in one month for no logical explanation, our giving halved. And we looked and just said, we haven't even got enough to pay the bills. I did not sleep in my metaphorical boat in that moment. (laughs) In fact, I became a nightmare to live with for the next few days. And in the end, I felt God say to me, let's go for a walk. So I did. And I told God what I thought about the fact that the finances weren't where they were supposed to be, etc. And we had a little bit of a discourse, God and I. And then I felt God say to me, but Chris, you said you trusted me over finance. I do trust you. It's not looking much like it. No, I realise that. (laughs) And that was even more annoying. As always, God was right. Uh, God won, Chris nil. But in that moment, a storm came in over the finances and where I'd said I trusted him, clearly I didn't. I was clearly trusting the money that was coming in and just making sure, well, we spend that, the money coming in is hair's breadth, that. So be aware of that for you. Sometimes storms come in and it will show you. You say, I really trust God for my health and then something goes wrong with your health. And you realise, oh, maybe, maybe I'm not really trusting God. For my God, just show me those bits where I'm not trusting you. Will you help me? Thank you for shining a light on this. Normally this is after a bit of wrestling and a bit of annoyance and all those other kind of things. But if you can get there much quicker, then good for you. And say, God, thank you for showing me. I thought, I, I thought, I thought we covered this, but thank you. You're showing me what's really going on. And storms have a brilliant habit of doing that. So the other day, we've had loads of building work done at our house. Um, Frankly, it's been a nightmare. So our bedroom, uh, Nick's and my bedroom, has been our our lounge, our kitchen, our pretty much everything for about six weeks. The building work's been going on longer, but that's when we lost our kitchen. And um, 
we have taken to quite a few microwave meals. Uh, they're better than they used to be, by the way. I, I think they really honestly have improved. You know, this is quite tasty. It actually tastes like what it says on the outside of the packet. It, it's, quite, uh, it's quite disconcerting. And anyway, my youngest daughter had had spag bol, right? She'd had some spaghetti bolognese and she'd put it on a lap tray and then like we covered her even further. I mean, she is eight, but she has an incredible capacity for getting it anywhere. And, and our duvet cover happens to be predominantly white. Um, and there's nowhere else to sit, so you sat on the bed. She managed it. It was, it was good. Dad, I don't really want the rest. I said, sure, don't worry, just pop it on the side. So we've got a little camping kitchen in there. This is why I'm not really looking forward to wildfires, if I'm honest. Uh, it's like, I've just packed it away. Uh, so this camping kitchen is about this big, you know, and everything's stacked on there. The kettle, the toaster, everything, you know. She puts it on there. And then my, my uh, other daughter, uh, 10-year-old, she went up to that bit, you know, reached to get something, knocked the rest of the spag bowl onto our cream carpet. Face, I know, I know, right? Face down. Face down. It, everything in that room went like the matrix. It went into slow motion. We all went, nobody moved. No one said it a word for what felt like a minute. It was probably only about two or three seconds. And then, this is not a proud moment. I'm just being honest with you. And then I went, well, pick it up then. Because it's face down on the carpet and she's just like this. Like, we're not going to pick itself up. I said, pick it up then. Like that, in a gentle, gracious, loving father sort of way. And... um, Next words out of my mouth. Well, that's going to stain the carpet. Like that. Wow. That's where my faith was at. I know it's a carpet, right? You can, there's better things to expend your faith on. But it showed, in that instant, it showed where my heart was at because of this crisis of dropping spagbol on the carpet. Now, I know you're all wondering, did you get it out? What did you use? What products? Um, <laughs> The truth was, I, I, I ended up saying, well, we, we scraped most of it up. I'm just telling you, this is totally irrelevant. Scraped most of it up by hand. And then we got some wet wipes to keep it wet, while the other one was like, where's the carpet shampoo? I have no idea where the carpet shampoo is. Our whole life is in boxes in our own house, camping. So um, I went and found, finally, I went, found it! Came back upstairs. Oh, don't believe it. It's run out. <laughs> Lit like one feeble squirt. So we ended up having to go to a neighbour's house um, and whatever. They weren't in, but we've got keys to their house. Um, they texted us a couple of days after they'd been away. And they said, oh, we were just listening to your podcast. Because um, I told this story at Asher Vineyard. And, um, and they said, and when we heard that you'd run out of shampoo, all of us in the car went, oh, you should have gone to our house. We've got loads like that. And of course, I carried on telling the story. And I did go to their house and we raided every product we could find. Good news is... My faith was not proven correct, and there is no stain on our carpet. I know. So if you need breakthrough in carpet stainage removal, I feel like it's an area of faith that I have really conquered. Um, So storms have a habit of exposing what's really going on. So all I would say to you is be aware of what's going on. Rather than moaning about the storm, Just see what your response is in that storm and see what God might be saying to you. Here's another one. Just keeping an eye on the time. Storms 
are not of God's making. It's very easy to believe they are because, well, we can grow in storms, we can change in storms, we can be challenged. Chris, how would you ever have known about the finances if you hadn't gone through the storm? You would, you would have thought that you did trust God for finance and you would still be blithely carrying on thinking you trust God for finance. But God was able to use that to expose that unbelief in you. Yeah, that's true. I think actually he'd have rather just told me if I'd been listening. And you see, we can very often believe, particularly if we've been in church a very long while, and I do mean in church, I use that deliberately. It's very easy to believe, and it creeps in. Actually, this is just life. The, the, these, things are, these things just are meant to happen. I guess it's my turn, those kind of, that kind of language. But you see, that storm was not of God's making. A storm in that boat for the Jesus right then was not of God's making. Well, Chris, it's just science. I mean, it's the, it, you told, said yourself it's the 200-foot shallow water, warm air, cold air. Yeah, but it's not of God's making. How do I know? Because Jesus went, enough. God didn't say, uh, Jesus, no, this is me. Rage, peace, rage. Peace! I mean, what, with Jesus and the Father are divided, having an argument over what should be happening with the water and the wind? No! That storm was not of God's making. And you may find yourself in a storm right now. Right now. It might be a storm of finances, of provision in some way. It might be a health storm. It might be a relational storm. It could be a what is my life all about midlife crisis type storm? And the wonderful thing is that we have an authority in the middle of that storm to do something about it. We don't have to stick with the storm raging all around us and just say, well, this is just what it is. I'm going to learn to be really gracious and godly and I'm just going to learn to weather this storm. Now, don't get me wrong. There definitely is a place where we have to be patient as we weather a storm to see the breakthrough that we hope for and long for. But for many of us, for many of you, you will know people right now that have got situations going on in their lives and the reason that you have any relationship with them at all is because God has set this up for you to be a wave calmer and a wind stiller in their storm. There may be some storms raging near you that God is waiting for you, really patiently, but waiting for you to go to that storm and say, enough, enough. See, the thing was, if Jesus had done that miracle as God, purely as God, not in any way as, as he called himself, the son of man, God could have stilled that storm by the big finger coming through the sky, like when the um, National Lottery first started. Do you remember that big finger that would come and it's you or whatever it was, that silly, silly thing. God could have done that. The big finger comes from heaven, zaps the lake, the Sea of Galilee, and suddenly everything's calm and peaceful. <laughs> But why didn't, why didn't God do it that way? 
Well, I think the main reason God didn't do it that way is because he was trying to model to us the kind of level of power and authority that he has already given us and wants to see us use. So he didn't do it as God from heaven. He did it as as a man. Jesus did it as a man, clothed in skin and flesh. If he'd done it just as God, it would have reduced me to a spectator. God suddenly quiets everything and you go, wow, yay God, good one. We like God, I'm on God's team, he's great. Did you see that? The unfortunate thing is, there's a little bit more that Jesus is trying to lean into for us in that moment. Because Jesus says, you'll do everything I've done and more and greater. You can do all these things, which is great news because I don't know what the weather is for wildfires. (laughs) It's down to you guys. If it rains, I'll know that you didn't listen to this talk properly (laughs) because we have the authority. And of course, we do have the authority over weather. Yeah, we do. We surely do. You can't pray for it to be dry all the time because all the gardeners are all praying against that, you see. So, you know, you have to bear with and understand. But in that moment, Jesus, as a person, knew their authority and their relationship with the Father and stood up and said, enough. Cancer, enough. Disputes in the workplace over spurious allegations, enough. Peace, be still. Lack in our lives, that's enough. God says he will provide all my needs. It might be a neighbour, it might be someone in your family that God is saying, will you stand up and be a wave calmer and a wind stiller. So, let's stand. Thank you for listening. If you would like to contact us about this talk, to hear more or to find out about Riverside Church Whitstable, then visit our website at riversideuk.org. Also, you can contact us through our Facebook page or tweet us at Whit Riverside.